0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Leaders in Sport podcast. I'm your host Adrian, with my co-host Sylvie, and we're joined by the champ, Juliana, Thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you, guys, for having me. I appreciate uh, being on here, of course.
0: So I think we probably have a bit of a, a bit of a, a mixed bag of listeners across a lot of different sports. So some will be very familiar uh, with, your, with your past and with your present, other people not so much. So maybe we'll take a quick trip down memory lane and talk about, talk about how this all started. So you're from Spokane, Washington, correct?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, I'm from Washington. I'm Washington <laughs> native.
0: Washington native, living based out of Chicago now. Yep. And you've been fighting professionally for how long? For
1: thirteen years.
0: For thirteen years, and almost exclusively in the UFC, correct?
1: Yeah, I started in the UFC in 2013.
0: Okay, so so yeah, we we've been there for quite some time. Then, so how did you how did you end up in MMA? What was the what was the catalyst?
1: I could get. I could be completely honest with you guys. Uh, I was a chubby bunny, and I needed to lose some weight. And so I um, was offered to to join my sister in a women's cardio kickboxing class, and and I wasn't doing anything at the moment, exercise wise. So I joined. It's like, yeah, I need to I need to drop some pounds. So I started with her, and uh, I threw my first punch, and my my coach was like who taught you how to box? And I said, nobody. And he was like, well, who taught you how to punch? And I said, you just did. And he was like, (laughs) okay. He's like, you're natural. So, you know, I threw my first punch at 19 years old and uh, official punch at 19 years old. And I haven't really looked back since.
0: And did you, I mean, I think a lot of fighters have that story funnily enough, I guess, if they didn't come from like a wrestling background, they kind of stumbled into it, especially at that time, because the MMA was not popular. think people see it now and they think that it's always, it's always existed in this, uh, you know, in this era, but at the time, no, it was, it it would have been hard for you to find fights. Even I imagine at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. MMA is a lot more mainstream now, but back then no one was doing it. There was like five girls fighting out there at the time. And, you know, I'm literally having my first fight in, in a bowling alley and the other one in a barn, um, you know, the back then there was there was it was more rare back then than it is now, that's for sure. So um there was no one doing it back. There wasn't a lot of people doing it back then.
0: But the gym, because I did a little bit of research, like the gym that you were at had some killers at it. Like it's just so like it's so fortunate. Like there's some studs that fought out of out of that gym.
1: Yeah. So my sister's uh my sister's man, uh Lyle Beerbomb, was like the big star where we were from he went on a tear i mean he was straight out of jail straight into the cage and and he was trading one addiction for the next and and he kind of led the way as far as you know professional fighting goes and uh, we all kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps. So he was the one that kind of got it started. And then Cody McKenzie was his, you know, main training partner. And then Cody went on to the ultimate fighter. And then Mike Kiesa and Sam followed right after that. And then after that, it was my turn. Um, But there was definitely some, some killers in the gym in the early days. I mean, there's killers there now, of course, but back then there was some really good uh, fighters back then. They were scrappy.
0: I fought him in the same card as, uh, as Cody probably like six years ago. And I was laughing from the moment he walked into the room to the moment he left. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah.
1: I, I actually, Cody, I cornered Cody. He couldn't find anyone to come corner him one time in Oklahoma, I think. And he was in this tournament and I cornered him in a dress. Uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> he, he fought a monster and he almost won, I swear. He was oh. Cody's a man. Cody's hilarious.
0: He was, no, he, he had us, he had us rolling laughing. He walked into the back and he somehow managed to pull a bottle of Canadian rye whiskey out of, I don't even know how to wear Like He had just walked out of the cage. He only had shorts on. He's like walking into the back with this, with this bottle. So we had a lot of fun just,
1: just hanging out yeah. with him. Yeah. Cody's a who I I remember that fight week. I was so mad at him because we were walking, taking a walk. What I thought was a walk, but unbeknownst to me, we were actually going to the grocery store, not the grocery store, the the gas station so that he could buy like three cans of chew. And I'm like, (laughs) you're about to fight. What are you doing? You know? And so that's just, that's Cody for you. He's, he's very, uh, very true to himself. We, We love guys like that. And, uh, you know, there's not enough people like Cody. That's awesome. Is your sister, is your family in Washington still? And they're all in Washington. Yeah. I'm the only one out here in Chicago.
0: That's awesome. And then, yeah. so what did your, what did your parents think when, and I'm assuming your background is Venezuelan, obviously but the Venezuelan it right?
1: Yeah. So my dad's from Venezuela and my mom is from New Mexico and her okay. parents are Me- Mexican and native American. And, uh, yeah, they weren't happy. I'm the baby of four. I don't That's know it. what they were expecting though or how could they expect anything else? Like my brother beat the crap out of us. Like I'm like literally beat the crap out of us. And so, you know, I was always grew up like very aggressive and like having to like defend myself and like fight out of like every situation. You know, typical older brother type of stuff, but yeah, I be- I became a fighter after my first fight, my my dad got down on his knees and he started crying and he was like, "Please don't ever do this again. Promise me you'll never do this again." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I felt so bad. I, I felt so guilty. Um, I was like, okay, I won't. And then I did, and I was like, sorry. <laughs> I felt really bad for that. I'm sorry, Dad. Uh, and and uh, now he's happy. Now he's at ha- Well, he's kind of happy. Like, literally, my fight in January, last January, this time, uh, I was in Abu Dhabi, and he told me that at first he was watching, and his whole body was, like, really cold, like, ice cold, like his fingers were like ice blocks and his toes were like freezing. Like he thought they were going to fall off. And he said he was real close to the TV. And my brother told me this. He's like, and then he noticed like he, you know went like five feet back and then ten feet back and then he like <laughs> completely left the room while I was fighting Sarah McMahon and he said that his blood was like boiling he was like ridiculously hot but he was going through these like weird temperature changes in his body like he went from ice cold to like on fire like back to ice cold he had a pit in his stomach this last one uh, for the championship my poor daddy lost like 15 pounds during fight week oh. like he was just like devastated and, like he gave me a hug like right before I'm about to go out to you know I'm like I'm going to the arena so I was like all yeah, right dad I'll see you I'll see you on the other side you know and he's like good luck I I think you'll do good I think you and I'm like I don't even think he believes that he's just trying to tell me that to make me feel better you know it's like it's okay dad I got this I promise I got this
0: oh and then what about your mother is she uh does she watch oh. or no? Oh
1: yeah. She, she's a, she's a real one. Yeah. She's a ride or die. Um, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, I, I think that she ov- obviously wasn't too gung ho about, you know, me choosing fighting for a profession. In fact, I think both my parents were adamant that I go to school and, and get a degree. Um, and I tried, you know, I have a couple quarters under my belt. I'm, I, I went, I went to college for a little bit, but, um, my mom, my first couple amateur fights. I mean, she'd be clinging onto the cage, and she'd be like a cat, just right on that cage. Killer Juliana, killer! Like, you can't be this close to the cage. You gotta go sit down. Like get out of here. You're like seriously. Oh my god! And I can hear her from the Raptors. I one time I fought in Virginia. And she was up in the nosebleeds, and I just remember I was pounding the girl, and my mom's like, "Choker, Juliana, Choker," and I could hear her like I thought she was over my shoulder, like that's how crystal clear she came in. Like my mom, she's she's a ride or die man. She's she's so happy for me, and she's so excited, and you know, um, it's it's awesome now looking back to to know you know before they were like absolutely not, but now they're like my biggest my biggest fans.
0: That's awesome. Who do you, who do you take after more?
1: Uh, I I definitely think I get my fighting spirit from my mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) she, she, she had a rough life growing up. She was, she was, uh, you know um, she took the tail end of many beatings herself actually. So I think I have channeled her inner fighter and I think she's very happy to know that you know she couldn't fight and she couldn't stand up for herself but I can you know she raised me differently very differently from her other three children and I was the baby so she made sure to you know instill in me you know you don't lay down for anybody and you march to the beat of your own drum and and you know if somebody tries to push you you push right back and so I definitely get that fighter spirit from my mom's side definitely
0: that's awesome. And brothers or sisters? I know you said one brother, but are they, is it all, is it all boys in you?
1: No, it's uh, uh, one older brother and two older sisters. Yeah. But I have a really large family and we were hanging out as a family together all the time. And so like it was constant roughhousing every, every, every day it was constant roughhouse.
0: Uh, that's awesome. And, uh, and then when did you, when did you go to Chicago? How did that move happen from Washington?
1: Yeah. So, uh, the UFC sent me out here one time, um, for Latino heritage month. And okay. I was staying down on Michigan Avenue and mm-hmm. my coach, Rick little hit me up and said, Hey, there's a, a- Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt named Luis Claudio. He lives in that area. I met him one time at a UFC fight night when I was cornering Sam Cecilia. He's like, we stayed up till like four in the morning doing jiu-jitsu. He's incredible. You need to go see him. And I was like, okay. So, uh, I, I took the train. I, I drove out to, to where he was. It was like an hour away from the city. And, uh, I met Luis Claudio and, um, we ended up coming back out here doing seminars and, and I would stay with Luis for a while. And, um, right before I fought Kazingano, I was living with him for a few months. And then I went back to Spokane and then I was just out here training with him, just staying with him again for a few months. And um, I was like, you know, if I ever am going to move to a place, Chicago would probably be the place that I would like to move. I think in my mind, I was like, I love Kanye West and Kanye West from Chicago. So if if I'm ever going to move anywhere, then it's going to be Chi-Town, you know, like that's, it was in my head, like, yeah, Chicago. Um, And then like I moved here and I was like, what was I thinking? (laughs) But honestly, the training that I've been able to receive out here uh, has been incredible. Um, You know, I was a big fish in a small pond in Spokane and moving out here had definitely forced me to, to level up and sparring and jujitsu in all areas and in all facets. If you don't evolve your game, it's going to pass you up. And so I definitely think that, you know, moving out here kind of opened my eyes to, you know, you're not top dog anymore and you gotta, (laughs) you gotta, um, you know, roll with the punches and, and learn how to get better. So I definitely think that that shows and has been showing in, in my evolution as a fighter
0: oh I can just like what a lifestyle change to to go from to go from Spokane to to Chicago
1: massive yeah and then I got <laughs> pregnant and then it's like oh you for sure aren't going anywhere um and so it's like I'm here at least for the next you know let's see she just turned four I don't know what 18 subtract four I fight for a living yeah 14 years I got 14 years <laughs> <laughs> left <laughs> I awesome. uh yeah, I want to ask
2: about that a bit more. Being an, a female athlete and, and going through pregnancy, like what was what was that like? Like I know a lot of female athletes I've worked with, it's like, oh no, my
1: career's over, like everything changes. What was what was that like? So like my first initial thought was, Oh shoot, you know, you're pregnant. And I was at the time number two in my division. I was at the top of my career at that time uh but then you know there was another side to me where it was like I always knew that I wanted to be a mother and I always knew that I want to wanted to have kids in fact I want more kids um but I just think that the timing threw me off guard for sure. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever fight again, but I for sure felt like I don't know if I'm ever going to fight again. When I had an emergency C-section, I was a thousand percent, especially being like an alpha alpha chick. <laughs> I was a hundred percent. Like I'm going to give birth naturally. I'm not going to take the epidural. Like I'm totally going to do this. Like I, I can't wait. You know, I was ready. I was excited. And then, you know, 42 weeks comes by and they're like, we got to get this baby out of you now, like now. And I, I feel real sheepish too, because, you know, my mom, she was like, you're not even close to giving birth yet. You haven't even dropped your belly. Like you're not even close. And I was like, maybe that was you with your five kids, you know, cause she lost one kid. I was like, maybe that was with your body. My body's okay. different, you know? <laughs> and then like, I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, we got to get this kid out now. Like you're not giving birth naturally. Like we need an emergency C-section. So I, I, that I felt like robbed me of like, what I thought was like womanhood of like typical giving birth, you know? Um, and, uh, having my baby, you know, by C-section, I wasn't expecting that. And, and then like knowing that you get your guts cut open, they just shove it back, sew you up and tell you to have a nice day. Like I was like, I, I don't think I'll ever fight again. Um, so that mental hurdle having to get over that mental hurdle was, uh, was pretty tough you know and and here she is here's the star <laughs> herself the star of the show <laughs> hello what's your name
2: what's your name what's your name isa yes isa beautiful yes. well I'm yeah missing. that's Go. that's uh that's such a, you know, hard thing to go through as a woman and especially, and, you know, not as you planned, obviously. So what was the recovery like? Like, how did you know you were going to fight again, get your strength back? Um, who And also, who is the team that helped you with that?
1: Yeah, so I met this fabulous doctor. Her name is um, Jennifer Mercier. And she's a miracle worker with her hands, godsend. This woman is amazing. And uh, she invented this type of therapy uh, for women to get pregnant and to help women recover from pregnancy. So her success rate is just incredible. And she's gotten so many women pregnant and she has also helped many women recover from C-sections and stuff like that. So I found her, she was actually in the Chicagoland area and uh, she was so confident that I would be able to fight again. And she just honestly gave me that, that confidence that I was going to be able to, you know, my abs are going to heal back together, you know, and that I was going to have this therapy done on me, um, you know, so like usually when you get a C-section, they you know they cut you open, they rip your guts out, they throw it back in, So you up, and have a nice day. Well, the the organs fuse together, and blood flow can't flow through your organs anymore because they're all mounded on top of each other. And then when that happens, if you laugh a little bit, you pee your pants or, you know, like if you sneeze or something, you pee. So it was really important to get this type of therapy so that the blood flow could move through my organs, um, back to normal, like they, like they were functioning before pregnancy. And so I did that therapy for about, uh, eight or nine weeks, I believe. And, and then, you know, I was cleared to go back to training and, and, and get that baby weight off. And as, as the pounds came down, and as I started to get my wind again, I was like, I, I can do this, I got this, no, no doubt about it. In fact, it actually invigorated me and gave me more of like a, another push, another motivation, more strength. Okay, no, I, was,
0: I was gonna ask, what was the timeline between, between your like, previous fight and then your next fight after giving after birth?
1: So, um, you would have to sure dog this because I don't know exactly, but Valentina, I fought her January, I believe, of like 2017. And then my next fight was against Nico Montano. Um, took that fight on two weeks, and I don't recall the year. I think that was like 2019, 2020.
0: Oh, it's um, just like about knee surgery, you know? Just
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the same exactly. thing, hey? The same <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> well, that is what's funny. months or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's what's funny about MMA though. When you see people's like, it, like that's not uncharacteristic to see someone go, you know, 14, 15, 16 months out of the cage. I mean, obviously yeah. that is uncharacteristic what you had to go through. But if you just looked at your at your sure dog record, no one would think, you know, that would yeah, you wouldn't even notice, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've done I've done the neat things too. Especially with this being such a hard sport, I mean, fighting two times in a year is plenty for for a professional fighter, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. You know what I really enjoyed um, with the time off was I didn't want to rush getting back to the cage. I wanted to enjoy my time with my baby. I wanted to like, you know, have every second I could and spend every waking moment with her. I didn't want to feel like this burden that some people feel like, I got to get in the cage right away, you know? So I definitely took my time uh, getting back to the octagon and I didn't rush anything at all. I did rush the fact that I came back on a fight on two weeks notice, but that's just because I was... <laughs> was ready
0: to go that's amazing and we it's funny we had a bunch of different questions um that the dfs team had submitted to us so, but one of them that they they wanted us to ask about was different trainers that you've had in the past and i think chris may have actually been the one that that asked that question um
1: yeah
0: so so when did like yeah w- what was the team is it all out of one gym in chicago you only train there do you bounce around a little bit what's the
1: Yeah, I I live in the car. I literally live in the car. I go from one training session to the next to the next to the next. And they're all in different locations in the Chicagoland area. I met Chris Grayson um, through my daughter's father. And he like helped me get my body back into shape. And he was such an incredible trainer. And um, yeah, I miss him. He, he moved away to South Carolina and like my heart broke when he left because <laughs> we had such a bond, you know, that was like my best friend's leaving. Right. But, uh, Chris is, Chris is an incredible trainer. He has a, a wealth of knowledge. Literally. I don't think I've met a smarter guy. It would get to the point where like, he knows so much about it. I'm like, just tell me what you want me to do. And I'll do, it. I don't need to know all the ins and outs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, because for me as a fighter, I'm just like, over my head guy just show me what you want me to do he's he's so knowledgeable um and I still call him literally for like any sort of question that I have anytime when it comes to supplements or training or anything like that I know that I can count on him because he's just he's such a smart guy he knows what he's talking about he's been doing this for forever you know so uh Chris Grayson is one probably one of the best trainers I've ever had
0: That's awesome. Maybe, maybe talk about your schedule a little bit. I think people, people don't understand what sort of, what sort of time requirements go into fighting um, when you look at all the different disciplines.
1: Yeah. So it depends on the day, but every day for Monday through Thursday, I start my day at my MMA gym at 1030, we do pro practice and then I'll come home, I'll eat and then I'll go lift. And then when I go after I'm done lifting, I'll probably eat a protein sh- drink a protein shake at the gym and then i'll head to my last practice of the night it's either jujitsu or boxing or back to the mma gym mm-hmm. um and so every single day it's at least two to three training sessions every day and it's bouncing around from you know one place to the next and they're in different locations so i mean sometimes my drive can be an hour sometimes it can be 15 minutes it just depends on where i'm going and, w- and what day is scheduled for that day but every day is you know at least two to three training sessions a day my only rest day is sunday Sunday, when i'm in camp
0: yeah and then friday you said Monday to thursday friday saturday you just train once or twice still
1: friday and friday and saturday i uh spar live and then saturday i will like lift and do jujitsu, or i will do mma class and uh spar so sometimes we 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 had our sparring nights officially friday nights but for this last camp we had to change it to saturday nights because i was commentating in miami every friday night okay. so I'd, I'd go and i'd commentate on i'd leave on thursday sometimes i'd leave on friday morning i'd commentate friday night and then take the very first red eye like the very first flight 5 a.m back to chicago i'd get off the plane i'd uber straight to the gym and then i'd spar on saturdays mm. um, so it that was just because i was commentating at the time but yeah saturdays uh usually we have a pro practice at a 1130. And then sometimes I would do that. I'd go to the pro practice at 1130 and then go spar later on on Saturday night too. So it really just depends on the day and and the scheduling and, and trying to work around everybody else's schedule right because in Spokane it was a one-stop shop I would just go train with Rick in the in the garage and and call it a day it was, that's I that's all I that's the only place I needed to go in right. Chicago it's like I got my boxing at a certain gym I got my MMA at a certain gym I have my jujitsu at a certain gym and I got my strength and conditioning at a certain gym so I'm just constantly all over the place, like all day long
0: that's awesome are they and, the, and your coaches obviously all work together I assume to help they, are, to help they us all
1: Yep. They all work together. So Rick is uh, our CEO. He's my head coach and and he lives in Spokane and he kind of is always constantly in communication with the other coaches as far as like what he wants to work on and what, what the game plan needs to be. So he trusts in my coaches over here to, to get the job done. And they are all all very um, intelligent in their own rights and they're masters of their crafts. Um, So of course he trusts, you know, the training that they're putting me through. And then when it gets down to the wire and I, get closer to the fight rip will actually come out here in chicago and he'll stay with me for a month he'll stay with me for two weeks he'll stay with me for three weeks and he'll go back and forth between spokane and chicago all the way uh leading up to the fight
0: oh that's awesome uh, yeah. and how many times a week do you spar just the one time
1: no so we spar live on wednesdays and then uh friday nights or saturdays so i think i mean yeah so two, so, two, so, two, two times time. a week Two yeah. times
0: a week. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's funny. It's funny how every single gym has their own set sparring days and it's like consistent always at the gym. Like,
1: oh, yeah. Well, and I could tell you that like Wednesdays for me, I always know are like, okay, for Tuesday nights, I'll just say Tuesday nights is always like that kid that's about to go to Disneyland the next day, your heart's pounding out of your chest and you just like can't you're so excited you know but it's like I'm not excited I'm like I'm about to go get into the lion's den so it's like waking up waking up like the day before a fight right so it's like you know you're about to go to war so Tuesday nights are always really difficult for me because I know (laughs) that like come Wednesday morning it's on and so I when I get closer to the fight I get more excited I'm like oh yeah somebody's gonna die today you know but like when when you're just getting back in shape when you just get back to the gym and you've been at a out of the gym it's like oh no i'm gonna it, get yeah. it tomorrow
0: <laughs> and everyone else is in shape or they have a fight coming up and they're they're dialed in yeah Terrible exactly feeling. and
1: you're not and you, you get punched once you're like what's your problem <laughs> take it easy they're like you know what day it is you know what day
0: it is that's <laughs> awesome uh what was in miami what what organization were you commenting Commentating
1: on Yeah. So I commentate, uh, I'm a lead color commentator for Combate America, for Combate Global. They just changed it. Yeah. name, excuse me. It's uh it's on Paramount Plus. Okay. And it's uh just a Latin American um fighting league that mm-hmm. is just sprouting up all over the place. I, I feel like you know, no knock on the UFC by any means, but they keep stealing all our talent. It's crazy. Every time I see somebody that I call their fight, boom, the next week they're fighting for the UFC. So they're picking off our guys left and right. Um, but yeah, Combate is uh, an amazing league. Actually, the one who started the UFC, his name is Campbell McLaren. He started mm-hmm. the UFC back in 1993, and he sold off his rights. And now he's has a new baby, which is Combate, and he's doing it all over again. But this time, he's catering to the Hispanic market. So we're all over Latin America, uh, all over Telemundo, Univision. And uh, they have their Spanish side that commentates on the Spanish side. And they got like really big deals with those uh, productions, Telemundo, Univision, and stuff like that. Um, but for their English side, uh, we broadcast on, on Paramount+. Plus. We're streaming there on Paramount+. Plus, and it's just, it's, it's a great time, you know. I mean, I love fighting. I can talk about fighting all day long. And, and to, to get my feet wet on the commentating side, too, is also uh, truly a blessing.
0: For sure. And Latin, Latin America just has such a rich history with fighting. So.
1: Exactly, and and the thing that makes combate exciting, um, well, it may things that I wasn't used to in the past, but now I'm like used to. Uh, they have a different type of fighting style when it comes to what they're looking for, so. Latin America, like you said, has a big, rich history in, in fighting in that fighting spirit yeah. and they are a lot different in their fighting styles. They want to stand in the pocket and, and trade and literally last the one who goes down is the one who loses. So it's like, they stand all day long. You don't see a lot of groundwork. And if you literally go to the ground and don't like execute within the first like 10 or 30 seconds, they're standing you right back right. up and they're getting <laughs> yeah. you right back in the pocket. And, you know, let's, let's see who drops first. You know, it's, they they're very prideful in that sense that they you know they're not trying to go to the ground they're not trying to do wrestling and jiu-jitsu they're trying to knock your head off your shoulders and i think that that's kind of that that mexican fighting spirit that differs from what we see normally like in the ufc it's like in, in the ufc they'll let you work not in yeah. it's like you got to work and, and make it happen in like 30 seconds or less or else you get stood back up
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is, it, the, the cultures are are fantastic. So go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, I was just going to ask, I will get back to the fighting questions, but I wanted to ask because I've worked with some uh, MMA fighters and the biggest thing that I find challenging about their schedule is their schedules and training so much and eating enough food, because you just mentioned sometimes three a day training sessions. So like on those days, like how do you stay like up on your nutrition and eating enough because I know it's challenging for athletes who train once a day. So (laughs) what does your schedule look like? And you know, how do you, yeah. How do you manage that?
1: honestly, that was one thing that Chris and it's still my trainer. Now my strength trainer, they're always on my butt about that because I am horrible with that kind of stuff. And it's not that like, I don't want to eat, but like when you have to eat that much to refuel and replenish for the next one, it's like you're full. It's like the, it's like a chore to have to eat. And then you got to like finish it all. And you're like, I can't even finish this. I I don't even want to eat it to begin with, you know, it's like, but then there's other days where I'm ravenous animal and I just like, can't stop eating. And so, um, the the, honestly, the nutrition side for me has always been the most difficult part, uh, as far as being a fighter goes, especially when I have, you know, not such good influences. Like my head coach, Rick will be like, you really think that if you eat that starburst that you're, it's going to, you know, affect your performance and you're not going to be able to throw a punch the right way or something. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be eating this. He's like, eat the starburst. It's fine. You're <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. You know, so, you know, when he's here, it's always like he's eating barbecue and he'll be like, yeah, I eat the barbecue. You need the protein. You got to replenish <laughs> (laughs) You know, and he'll find an excuse for me to be like pizza. It's carbs, you know. It's good for you. Just eat the pizza, you know. But honestly, this last camp. I, I dialed it in um, med kit meal preps has been helping me for uh, this last camp. And I mean, these guys are so awesome. They went and talked to my strength and conditioning trainer that I work with now, Alex Spanos, they got all my macros. He literally like told them every single day, what I'm training and, and how much I need to eat and how much I need. And he got it dialed in with their nutritionist at the Northwestern um, college there with, and so Alex, my trainer talked to the nutritionist, the nutritionist figured out how, how much macros and everything that I needed. And then Alex went back to the MedKit meal preps and was like, this is what she needs. And so they give me that. And I mean, they're facilitating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I take them with me when I go. And then when I'm at strength and conditioning, for example, I'll down one of their protein shakes that they got there in the facility and, and I'll take a little bag and I'll stuff in all the snacks, you know, and then I'll just like eat them on the road. As I go, like, I am mean, clip bars and drinking cherry tart juices and <laughs> You know, on on to the next one until I can get home to to feed myself dinner with the med kit meal prep. That's awesome. I think
2: that's so important that you had that figured out because it's the most challenging thing for athletes to eat that much and to know how much protein you need, how many carbohydrates based on like, obviously the high intensity exercise that you're doing. So I think that's so important. If you can have that taken care of for you, that's, that's so huge.
1: Yeah. So for example, on like the days that I train three times, it'll like, it'll say right on there bulk meal and it'll be like a thicker container that has more of the carbs that I need because they know that I'm three times a day on that day and it does have like every single amount of proteins the grams and everything is all weighed out on the little container so i know exactly how much i'm getting and and what i'm getting so they they really do a great job med kit meal preps is absolutely legit and and i'm not just saying it i'm not just saying it it tastes good the flavor (laughs) is there which is huge yeah, these these little company. I mean, they're the flavor. The flavors is horrible. The food is bland. It's like not fresh. You know, like these people. Like they got. Especially, I think with them being Hispanic, the flavors are there. Like, oh, it's, okay, it's, that's yeah. I'm always having to like it, add like, like, salt. Yeah, like I'm always having to add salt to those other ones that I was eating before. Like this one, it's like the flavors are there. You don't have to add anything.
0: Did you, uh, did you notice a difference too in training, like on, on a stricter meal program over the last camp, like in terms of energy and output?
1: Um, you know, I would say if I could be completely honest with you, I don't notice that kind of stuff just because I'm always constantly used to grinding and just like go on to the next thing. So I, I wouldn't know. I would just say that it gives me enough energy to get to the next, training camp or to the next training session and hold me off until I got to eat the next one too. So it's just, I, I mean, yes, I guess I would say yes. It's, I know I noticed a massive difference.
0: Well, yeah, And, you, and you, had a, you had another add to this camp, obviously, uh, which is part of the reason that we're here on this podcast. So designs for sports. So how did that partnership come about? Where, where did that come from?
1: okay so Chris Grayson has been like sneaking me beef protein shakes for like the second that I got into his gym and <laughs> at first I was like you're disgusting I'm not I'm not drinking a beef protein shake like that sounds horrible um and then after a while i'd be like you got the beef protein shakes like where are they at you know like i'd be like jones and for this protein um so chris introduced me to designs for sport when i very first met him and and he he was always getting me on those beef protein shakes and then um and then yeah chris moved away i didn't hear anything from him and then he hit me up and was like Dude, I'm gonna be consulting for Designs for Sport. I think that you should, you know, hit them up. Maybe they can endorse you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. Let me know, you know. And uh, then they did. Jordan, Jordan got a hold of me, and they came on as as an official endorser. And uh, I've been with them ever since. And and that that stuff for sure. I notice a difference in my training. Absolutely.
0: We usually,
1: so what are, yeah, go ahead. So what are your go-tos? Like obviously beef protein,
2: but what are uh, your other sorry, how, how
0: tasty is that beef protein though? We tell people this all the time and they don't understand. And they're understand.
2: like gross. It doesn't sound good, but it's so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the thing because the word beef, so they hear beef and they're just like, that's disgusting, but it's actually like good. And we were joking about that, like putting it in our, in our coffees and like making like mochas and stuff. Um, <laughs> but the, uh the beef protein obviously is one. Uh, I love the collagen. I feel like when I drink that collagen, like put it in my coffee at first off it's tasteless second off, when I put it in my coffee, I feel like you just oiled up the tin man, you know, I'm just like ready to go. My joints feel great. Like you know, cause I've had two knee surgeries. I've dislocated both my elbows. Like I've done it all, you know? So I notice a difference when I'm not taking my collagen. Collagen uh, collagen's a big one for me. Um, and then I always say it wrong. GPC liquid. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's called. GPC liquid. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've never had any sort of traumatic brain injury. Not that I'm aware of anyway, although I, it's, some people would argue. Um, but I, I truly believe that that's like my little secret sauce right like that's like the stuff that like I take and I take it in front of everyone and I'm like you guys don't you don't you don't even know about this you don't even have this yet you know what I mean it gives me that extra edit added sense of like superwoman type of thing where it's like I feel like even though I don't notice any immediate effects I feel like when I take it like I'm protected you know? And so I, I love the GPC liquid. I think that it's great. And, you know, Chris has been talking to me about that GPC liquid for, for so long and how good it is for, 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 you know, traumatic brain injury type of stuff and and head trauma. And so, especially, you know, getting hit every day, um, it's something that I definitely take with me. It's, in my purse, like I'm, I'm constantly on that GPC <laughs> liquid. <love> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I take it before, you know, big, hard training sessions, rolling jujitsu for a long time, sparring for sure, you know, um, any type of like high intensity type of workout that I do, I take that GPC liquid and then, uh, the curcumin, the, the curcumin. I, I, I don't know if it's called curcumin for, uh, designs for sport, but I know that it is curcumin. Yeah. Curcumin complex. So there's some other uh yeah
2: other ingredients in it but yeah that's a that's a, i mean especially for what you're going through on a daily basis with your training like you said it's like and this is a thing that i think people don't understand about mma it's like the tr- like they see the fights but the training is really where you need the protection because you're doing that every day right so yeah. yep it's uh yeah it's huge for inflammation
1: yeah, and and I take that like religiously, um, and and um, I'm waiting for the the liquid vitamin D. I think that that's yeah. coming in the mail uh, here shortly. Oh, and then the the hydration complex. I think that's what it's mm. called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I take that with the uh, uh, what is this? It? Oh, that's aminos. The, that's yeah. I was gonna say the aminos, right? I was yeah, like, they're not the same thing. Yeah, no. I take that with the aminos. And, uh, that's like my drink, like two times a day, you know, if I'm training three times, I'll only take it twice, but at least I take it at least two times. I, I, I carry that with me and I, and I drink that, you know, after every training session and during the training session.
2: That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. Those really? are
1: great products.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah fighting like yeah it is
0: funny you can't i mean there's some guys in the sport that don't have to i guess like the max holloways and the donald cerrone's who have thousands of hours of live cage time but it's hard to it's hard to practice to fight without fighting right yeah
1: yeah and that's what they say like like for example if cody no love because he came from a boxing background if he never sparred another live session in his training camp he'd be fine he knows how to spar he's got that you know and and so those, those types of hits that you're taking in training sometimes are worse than the, the hits that you take in the octagon. And so, you know, since like, uh, like she said, since you're training every single day, that's when you need to be protecting yourself is because I'm doing this every single day. And so I, I don't have as much experience as the Donald Cerrone's or the Max Holloway's, but, you know, getting up there, especially in this last camp, I sparred more than I ever have in any of my training, uh, in my, any of my previous fights. And so. You know, I anticipate, you know, the same exact thing leading up to my next fight. And I know how important it is, especially with traumatic brain injury to be taking care of your brain and your body, because obviously I can't fight forever, but I still want to be able to like, remember things and remember moments in my daughter's life, you know? And so I definitely think that these products are uh, aiding in that protection.
0: That's awesome. What's the, what's the word on the next fight? Is anything inked up yet or no?
1: Uh, yeah so i i I don't have anything inked up officially, but i I would am, I would assume um, that we're going to rematch sometime in the summer. You know what they say about assumptions though, you know, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's just, that's my wish. That's my want, right. That's like what best case scenario for me.
0: Yeah. You, you want to like run it back with Amanda first before anything else. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Because there's still naysayers out there. There's still people out there that think <laughs> oh. that it was a fluke, that it just happened, you know, by, by chance and that, Oh, she was sick or this and that there's, there's so many excuses that people are making. I just want to go back out there, put, put the naysayers to bed once again and then just let everybody know it, it wasn't a fluke
0: yeah for sure i mean there it is Fight. there's no flukes in fighting people say that all the time but if you close your fist and throw it at someone's face uh <laughs> there's there's no real flukes
1: yeah no i know i'm just like really yeah really did you watch the fight if you were the fluke okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, especially, especially we'll in that run style. it back yeah, especially yeah. in that
0: style too. It's not like it's not like you close your eyes, landed one shot, and the fight was over. Like Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit, no, you although
1: they thought that was gonna happen to me, they're like, and your last ten seconds in the first round. Like they, everyone was counting me out. No one thought I was gonna win that so, fight. So yeah, I actually wanted to ask about that. What
2: is it like going into I know you we're gonna be mindful of your time here, um, but yeah. what is it like going into that uh yeah, that like fight with just in terms of confidence and the mental side of it when you know everybody like you said, was betting against you?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've, I've uh, always in my career been the underdog that people count out. So it's kind of like a thing, you know, but I feel like it never got into my head or played any factor in my head because of the work that I had put in, because I knew how hard I had been training. I knew how dedicated I had been for the entire year. I was grinding. I didn't, it was all gas, no breaks, and I never stopped. And so I think that knowing that I put in all that time, knowing that I put in all that hard work, I mean, they could have put, you know, Fedor Emelianenko across the ring for me himself. And I would have freaking went out there and freaking did the same exact thing. That's how ready I was. That's how confident I was. Um, And then there's little tells, there's little tells leading up to the fight that, you know, there's little wins. You got to win a little bit here. You got to win a little bit there. And, you know, when she didn't show up for the fight in August, I was like, I got you, you know? Right. And so there was just so many things that it was like, my, my confidence was never shaken. I was supremely confident um, that I was going to get the win no matter what. I didn't know how, I didn't know when, but I knew when, if push comes to shove, no matter what, at the end of the night, I was going to get my hand raised and I'm going to get my hand raised again.
0: What do, you, what do you want people to say when you retire from the sport about
1: you? I, that she was relentless. <laughs> that She was just – she was a dog, and she was just a relentless dog. I know that's so weird. Like a girl will say, I want to be remembered for being a dog. <laughs> um, but, like, I want to be remembered for just being a, a relentless fighter. You know, if you have a type of personality where you're, you know, I'm never giving up really hard to stop somebody with that type of attitude and with that type of personality. And um, that's always been my personality. That's always been, you know, like I said, coming from a, a place in my childhood where I was constantly having to fight my way out of situations, you know, I've just, I've never given up and, and i am never going to give up. You know, right now I feel like, yes, I have the belt, but it still feels like day one to me. Now I got the target on my back. This is what I wanted. And now it's time to actually start all over again and go to work and make sure that I do everything in my power to defend and to retain and and to make many more defenses after this moving forward. So for me, I just want them to remember that I was just a relentless uh, a relentless person who who never gave up and and who was always striving to to reach their goals and and to let them know that whatever your goal is if you put in enough time and and dedication and hard work that you can make it happen Awesome. Love that! Thank you so much, Juliana. We're going to let you go because we know you have another
2: call and you're very busy. Uh, but thank yes. you so much for sharing everything that you shared today, and uh, we look forward to doing a follow up chat maybe around your next one.
1: Yes, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. I got this other call coming in, but I yep. appreciate. Thank you, guys you so time. much. Thank you. Thank you, you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.